Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey everyone, Steve Marie Morris here with a new Raptor Reactions uh, fallen, Happy Fallen Kingdom out on Blu-ray day uh, Unless you've been watching it on digital for the last three weeks It's been kind of a kind of a wide delay between when it com- came out on uh, digital and when it came out on Blu-ray They're really cranking them out now um, I'm Steve Marie Morris, again, your host uh, It feels like it's been a while, I miss you guys uh so you know since season one ended um but i'm really excited because yeah fallen kingdom's out on blu-ray today and 4k uh i wanted to (laughs) watch it on digital before today but you know that's how it goes so uh but i rewatched fallen kingdom and i just wanted to basically share my thoughts since seeing it in the theaters it was really cool to see it back at home i mean overall i will you know, I will, I'm, you know, I'm going to go through the film. I took notes and everything like that. But I guess what's kind of funny for me is that since I ended up seeing it eight times in the theaters, it doesn't even feel like it. I mean, just now the time between when something comes out, especially now on digital between when it, you know, it's in theaters is such a, such a close margin. Now it really just doesn't feel like, I mean, yes, Jurassic June sort of feels like a long time ago, but it sort of doesn't at the same time. It feels like it, yeah, it just it just feels like I I mean because I saw Fallen Kingdom so many times in the theaters, uh, you know that was the thing going back and watching the film again. It, it's still I mean there's a lot of new things I discovered, but at the same time it's like, you know it doesn't have quite the same feeling like when you were a kid and 
you'd watch something in the theaters and then like a year later you'd finally see it on uh, you know VHS or whatever or DVD um but I think I I think I discovered a new thing new things um I have some new thoughts about the film especially maybe where Jurassic World 3 is going and stuff like that so um yeah let's dive in but before we do i just wanted to shout out my patreon again uh patreon.com slash jurassic right um i've been catching up on everything lately so there's a lot of new minisodes in there including sneak peek at season two of see jurassic right um you know just uh other you know things where oh yeah um i also did one where just kind of talked about what i want to see in jurassic world 3 you know a big part of the season finale was kind of people's hopes and dreams for what they wanted to see in jurassic world 3 so i did an entire uh mini-sode a patreon exclusive mini-sode where i kind of talk about what i would want so if you really want to support the show again help keep the power on in the park operational um supporting me at patreon would mean a whole bunch um, again, five bucks gets you an exclusive mini sode each month. Um, and then there's some other rewards and stuff as well. Again, even a dollar helps. So I appreciate everyone who's been supporting me on Patreon um, since last year. And yeah, if you want to get more of those bonus stuff, um, yeah, go sign up. It's patreon.com slash Jurassic Right. Anyway, let's get on to Fallen Kingdom. Uh, yeah, again, I saw it eight times in the theaters and uh you know i've been thinking it's funny because i rewatched the entire i rewatched the whole um i was gonna say trilogy i rewatched the first four films close-ish to after seeing fallen kingdom and i've been kind of working on what i want to do of like a cool how fallen kingdom references not only the original but the lost world and jurassic park 3 and of course jurassic world um so i'm thinking about that but you know here there's just some interesting things I noticed going back into it. Um, it's funny for it's, it's something I didn't realize I always wanted, which was um, even though sometimes it's a pet peeve of mine, you know, the thing about Jurassic park is it's always this thing that's kind of separate from the outside world. Sure. We got a taste in San Diego um, and obviously Fallen kingdom takes place off the Island, but you know, if, for, for a movie about kind of, you know, di- natural disasters slash dinosaurs as natural disasters, we've gotten very little of the kind of cliche news footage type scenarios. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I always wanted that, you know, but it is also kind of a cliche. And so I don't know. I was just thinking about that again as the movie opens, but I think they sell it really well with, um, you know, the shots of the Brachiosaur and then kind of leading right into Malcolm, um, which was really great. Um, and so, you know, it's funny because I noticed one criticism is that, you know, of some more of some, you know, some Jurassic Park fans is that, you know, the beginning of this movie is so fast paced and, and, you know, but I, you know, at the same time, I think they really just wanted to get down to business per se. But watching it again, I could see maybe the one point where maybe you want more time, you know, because not only do they have to establish that. Um, this island is going to explode and the dinosaurs could go extinct, but then also establish that there's a summit hearing on it, that Malcolm is there, that Claire is on the DPG, that Owen is, you know, off the grid, that there's another, uh, you know, that there's a former partner of Hammond that's been hiding in the shadows, that he wants to rescue the dinosaurs. So there's so much to establish uh, that blue is this very important dinosaur that they're going after 
And so you can see already that they have so many things to get to before they can really even start the story. And I would say for me, the thing that would might might have been the most important thing is maybe have more time between when um because I think you could add time to any of this stuff, you know, just to pat it out in the sense of, you know, if you wanted to give more atmosphere, you know, or whatever. And I'll go into that a little bit later about kind of, you know, adding time, because I don't think that always makes a better movie just because something takes longer. But just, you know, anyway, um, I could see they're adding more moments between when Claire and the DPG discover that the government isn't going to rescue the dinosaurs and that Lockwood estate has invited her out i could see them being like well what else do we do you know and i mean i don't know what that would visually look like but i almost to me i guess if there were going to add more time between you know because that's the case it's all you know in every movie you know the hero is going to live kind of thing and so you want to at least make it interesting before the choice is made and so you know i just wonder for me in some ways maybe that's the most interesting spot it's like what would the dpg do if the government wasn't going to save the dinosaurs, who would they turn to other rival corporations? Uh, would Claire want to go on a mission herself? Um, you know, uh, does she call the Kirby's, you know, paint and tile and see if they'll help her. I don't know, but I could see that being a moment for me where maybe more time would benefit between the problem and the solution kind of thing. So, but we get to Lockwood's estate and, um, you know, for people, who, if you haven't been paying attention to just kind of these like post Jurassic interviews and stuff, um, I believe Bayona and Trevorrow have confirmed that in Lockwood's manner, those dioramas of the dinosaurs that we, you know, get the Indoraptor, um, get the Indoraptor action later, that those are actually stuffed dinosaurs. So all of those dinosaurs were alive at some point and now they're taxidermied, which is just such in interesting implications that, you know, that there was there was a round of dinosaurs before we got to Isla Nublar uh, and Jurassic Park as we know it. And so I feel like that's some really cool backstory. That's some really cool. What I, what I love about um, fallen kingdom you know because it has to create all this new backstory i think it actually does a really good job of creating new mysteries as well you know again like the original movie with the barbasol can where it's just something that kind of teases your brain and just sort of is like wait what is that thing implying or whatever um i think fallen kingdom does a great job of that and you know who knows if it'll get explored in some book or in or in Jurassic world 3 but the the tantalizing idea that 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 those dinosaurs and those dioramas at the lockwood estate are uh taxidermy is so cool and such a cute a, a cool fact that you almost wish they would have mentioned it in the movie or something you know in an offhand way it's like you know iris could be like don't leave your your sock monkey hanging from it you know because it's a it's a sensitive specimen or whatever um but you know we'll see if they do anything with it um and uh oh so just right off the top uh and it's funny because i was watching i started to watch some of the bonus features uh on the blu-ray and the target edition comes with a whole host of more bonus features i mean it's almost a crime how many more bonus features come on that disc uh at least like i think like six to eight additional little five to ten minute segments um you know it makes me you know of course again the 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 death of physical media is there's probably a reason why that was all kept exclusive or something i don't know but uh, it's a shame that that so I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to maybe do another Raptor reactions just about the bonus features because I've I've barely started to watch them, but I'm already so excited about it. Uh, but one little detail that they said is that 
um, you know, there's this curious detail about how Macy, uh, Macy's mother, quote unquote, died in a car accident. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if that angle will be explored at all in Jurassic World 3 or if that, you know, did she really die in a car accident? Because later, you know, it's like she would have saved them all and it's done with such drama and gusto that you just wonder, OK, well, that can't just be it. It can't just be a car accident, right? Um I mean, it all, you know, it, it's the thing of like Jurassic Park doesn't really have a lot of mysteries and conspiracies. So sometimes I wonder if we're just reading that into that too much or if that's inherently in the text. Uh, so we'll see. Um, let's see. Oh, I loved I love Claire's ugly laugh. I just like that she gets to have this like <laughs> like, you know, she doesn't have to be a dainty a soft person, you know, or she is soft and she can be soft and sensitive, but that she can also have this hilarious quote unquote ugly laugh. I like that as a choice. And I feel like, again, it speaks to, I feel like uh, Colin and Bayona have given Claire a lot or given Claire have given Bryce Dallas Howard a lot of ownership of that role. And I feel like that's something that probably Bryce came up with. Um, You know, people have talked about Owen and Claire's relationship. I've talked about it before and again, I really think that had they not had different callings in that moment post Jurassic World, I think they would have stayed together. Um, and I think Owen's reaction in this scene, I've been able to process it more and more because it is kind of the cliche, like refusing the call sort of I don't do that anymore kind of thing. But I also think that it's realistic to Owen's character in the original Jurassic World, where Again, I've described him as sort of a cynical Malcolm or like as a a cynical Malcolm without the charm, especially in Jurassic World or a Herzog character where it's like, but also realistic to the way certain animal, um, you know, behaviorists and animal science, you know, how scientists are in the sense that, yeah, it's a shame that, you know, the blue that I raised her, that I loved her, you know, uh, but, you know, in this situation, it's actually the smarter choice to let her die and you can't let your personal sympathies get in the way. So I actually think that's realistic to his character um, in that his softening up is, is a kind of a betrayal of his heart exterior. And so I kind of think it makes sense to where that character is at the beginning of the fallen kingdom. But um, I also really liked, I feel like people didn't notice it, but when Macy is playing in the scene where she scares Iris and then you see her go into the room with Lockwood, uh, her her grandfather, quote unquote, um, she's wearing a cute little dinosaur tail. So it kind of I I think there's more cut shots or scenes of her playing. And so it would have been cool to see her wearing that dinosaur tail. Um, I just thought it was adorable. Um, and this really brings me to, you know, where she's talking to Lockwood and stuff like that. This Fallen Kingdom is I've always thought since I've seen it is a love letter to dinosaurs but it really is in this sense a love letter to our childlike love of dinosaurs i think that the people who have a lot of problems with fallen kingdom and i have some of the same problems as well that these dinosaurs are sort of characters and caricatures um you know their personalities they're not just sort of metaphors about nature and the hubris of man and and natural disasters let go you know because the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park really were just you know the sublime nature of beauty and also uh, uh, kind of a metaphor for that and stuff like that so you know as well as being real animals and what I love about Fallen Kingdom is that you know these animals I've said before they they sweat they spit they bleed they cry 
And so this this Fallen Kingdom is the best dinosaur movie since the original for those reasons. And then also rewatching it, um, it really is about our childlike love of dinosaurs. Again, there's so many examples in the films of things that I've always wanted to see. Dino- I want to see two dinosaurs fight. I want to see somebody say, "Where you know, govern- like a money guy being like, where are the dinosaurs? I want to see a kid talk about her imagination, and the, you know, about her playing with dinosaurs. The, those imagination games we used to play as a kid. It really is in, in a kind of very primal ugh, and basic kind of way. Um about the kind of things that we imagined the adventures we'd get into with dinosaurs as a kid. And so I understand obviously some, some people don't like that as much because it's not very realistic. And, but I think I relate to that stuff more than debating the anatomy and the accuracy of the dinosaurs on screen. I just, I've just never been interested in it. And I obviously know that a big part of Jurassic Park inspired people to get into the sciences and to love science. But I think for me, for dinosaurs, a big part of that as well was just, you know, just imagine you having these two dinosaur toys and just rah, just going at it. And so I think in, in that romantic ideal towards dinosaurs, I think to me, that's the overarching feeling um, uh, of Fallen Kingdom. And I think that's very intentional from Jay Bayona because of his filmmaking. Um, and I think that to me is so much more important than anything else, at least for me and the sort of continued relevance of the franchise, because we love, you know, kids love dinosaurs and we love dinosaurs. And I think focusing on that element is really what's going to keep it alive um, as opposed to sort of the more, you know, again, it can inspire people to science, but we can't mistake Jurassic Park for, you know, to be teaching tools. You know, these are just movies you know, if you want to learn about dinosaurs, you go read a book and you go, you go take classes, you know, like I took dinosaur classes in college and you, you know what I mean? You listen to, I've been listening to the common descent podcast where it's a, by two paleontologists or, you know, or ologies or something, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think you can mistake. I, I don't think you can ask a movie, a fictional movie to be a teaching tool in that kind of, um, deductive kind of way. So, um, but so that's why I think that the focus on the more romantic side of liking dinosaurs, especially from a child's perspective, I think really was was the, the thing that makes me love this movie so much. Um, I like the idea later about I, I think it was very curious that Franklin is specifically asking about Rexy. And it's just kind of funny to think that, you know, as the DPG is getting established and everyone's getting hired, I wonder if Claire is like, well, here's a list of all the remaining dinosaurs in Isla Nublar. And you sort of think that like they're up on a wall, like tacked on a wall and it's just kind of capturing people's imaginations, you know, Zia and Franklin. Um, I just thought it was funny. He was asking about Rexy. Um, again, if you spotted the Margaritaville ruins jumping ahead to the finale, the post credit scene where they're in Vegas, it just makes you think, Hey, well there's Margaritaville in Vegas. So, uh, we might get another, uh, Margaritaville in the next Jurassic movie. Um, again, because Jimmy Buffett is good friends with Frank Marshall, who's the producer of all the Jurassic films. Um, Oh, and this is this is the thing I was hinting at earlier. I think a lot of modern movies do this because just for this because we can. And I think it's just the language of cinema has changed uh, a bit. But I think another thing that people talk about pacing wise is that uh, (laughs) in modern movies, people go great distances in very short amount of times. I think maybe Lord of the Rings like as the Lord of the Rings series went on, I think that's illustrative of 
from the you know from fellowship of the ring that takes its time and really you feel like you are living that journey in real time to eventually the hobbit movies where people are zooming across middle earth and in seconds and people have talked about that with game of thrones and the, the newer star wars movies and you know marvel films and stuff where it's like you know those geographical we are kind of unmoored from the traditional notions of geographical temporality and I think Fallen Kingdom is definitely is definitely playing into that a little bit because, again, you think about, uh, you know, the boat trip back. You think about Owen trying to find Blue. You think about them getting to the island. I think so much of it is just, you know, really, it's funny because the end of the movie is so, so in terms of the more the end of the movie is the last 20 minutes last 30 minutes is much more real time whereas the <laughs> the beginning of the movie it's just like days are condensed into you know minutes and then the final night is just you know the 30 minutes long you know it's just such such a such a disparate thing and so i i understand if you know that is so jarring but i think you know in this world of youtube style editing i think um, that's just, um, you know, sort of a modern, you know, it's just funny to think about a movie like Congo where so much of that movie is just them traveling before anything actually happens that, you know, these movies now are just like, boom, 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 let's get to the point. You know, it's that sort of thing where we have the ability now where we as an audience can connect the dots in between these shots. And we don't need to necessarily think we don't necessarily need to have it all spelled out. Um, but you know, I, I mean, for, for my money, um, I really love the the sequence on Nublar. I think, sure, I mean, yeah, we could have more time. I mean, we could have a whole movie on Nublar before the volcano explodes. But I think that the that tenuous nature of, you know, having this, again, natural disasters have always been a big part of the Jurassic franchise. I mean, there's a hurricane in the original. Uh, but I think the the pacing of that sequence and the idea that this place is doomed, that there's no hope, I think by having that already happening as you get there race against the clock just makes that whole sequence um on the island so smash bang awesome you know cool hilarious sad and then so finally when you get to you know the brachiosaurus moment it's just your heart just sinks and so uh, i i really i still really love the pacing when they get on the island i think if anything again as i mentioned before i think the pacing before they get into the island they could have used more time there. But I think once they get to the island, I think the pacing of that for me is perfect. I think it's all constructed purposely like that. Um, so let's see. Uh, what else? Um, uh, I think people have mentioned, I mean, people have kind of noticed this since the trailer, but that blue sort of pushes Owen out of the way as she jumps towards the, the guy that um, shot her. Um, so that's nice. Um, also I think Wheatley, I heard this time saying, he said, we get it, like we get her done, like, which I'd never noticed before. I mean, he's such a, uh, he's such a, one of the best villains in the Jurassic franchise. He's Ted Levine. So fun to Ted Levine. Ted Levine is so fun to hate. And same thing with Mills. I mean, he, I've talked about this before again, but he's the charming sociopath. He's just like, um, I just love this scene where he just, you know, he yells at Macy and then he's like, oh, I, the the mask has been revealed. And so he has to kind of return back to normal. I, I think that was done really well from, um, oh, Rafe Spall. Um, again, wanted to mention the Sinoceratops looking Owen's face is a great nod to the Lost World book where Sarah Harding's face uh, gets licked by a stegosaurus after she wakes up from being pushed into the ocean. 
that wasn't a horse. That's like one of the best lines from the Lost World book. Um, and then I had a theory that, you know, one thing it is kind of a shame, I feel like, that when you see Blue's nest, that Blue's made her nest in the original Ford Explorer front, that that uh, Tim and Grant, um, you know, fell down on the tree that, uh, you know, in, there's some concept art that really shows her making a nest, which is cool. But then also seeing that this Explorer really is taking place exactly the scene is taking place exactly where um you know over 25 years ago or 25 years ago where grant and tim uh fell out of the tree um uh, but my theory about what you know because they kind of do this great reveal of the lava just coming straight at owen and you know my sort of headcanon because again it's that stupid thing of like trying to explain the continuity of like the rex climbing over the fence but then the same fence later is a hundred excuse me is a hundred foot drop um you know it's just artistic license but you know people have drawn diagrams to explain that oh it's like a sloping hill and all this stuff so my addition to this canon is that the reason why the lava just suddenly appears is that this giant wall of the paddock wall has been holding all the lava at bay and then the dam finally burst so take that with a grain of salt um I really love it's so funny. I just realized now that the Carnotaurus versus the Cynoceratops is very much the hipster version of the classic T-Rex versus Triceratops fight, uh, you know, because it is more obscure dinosaurs in a sense. Um, and it's just funny to think about it that way. But uh, it just makes me also wonder, are we ever going to get a Triceratops versus T-Rex fight in the Jurassic franchise? We have one more movie left, and I think that would be. May you know, I don't know if we want Rexy to take down a, a trike, or maybe we do, I don't know. But uh yeah, it just makes me wonder if we'll ever get that kind of iconic dinosaur battle. Um if you hear some noise, it might be that the trash truck is coming by. Alright, so another uh reminder of that Rexy can be seen swimming away from the gyrosphere. I felt pretty clever for cap catching that. Um maybe I didn't catch it first, who knows? But um, I just think that's a really nice little detail of, you know, just like Rexy being like, all right, go and swim. And um, but then she gets captured by um, by Wheatley's crew. Um, so there you go. Um, and uh, I was so glad the Paris Rolfus finally made it into, you know, that actually made it into Fallen Kingdom because it's kind of sad that. You know, I mean, obviously, there's so many dinosaurs in the stampede sequence, but uh, so I was like, oh, no, is the Parasaurolophus, is this the first movie where the Parasaurolophus isn't going to be in a Jurassic movie? Because the Parasaurolophus is the only uh, dinosaur to be in all five Jurassic Park movies that isn't a Velociraptor, I guess, or a T-Rex. So those are the only three uh, dinosaurs that have been in all, have been in every, let's see, has Triceratops been in every Jurassic Park movie? Uh, ooh, yeah, I guess Jurassic... No, Triceratops has been... I can't remember. I think so. I think... I think, yes, I think Triceratops has been in every Jurassic Park movie as well. So we've got the T-Rex, we've got the Raptor, we've got the Triceratops, and then... Um, yeah, and then let's see, Brachiosaurus. No, Brachiosaurus wasn't in Lost World. So, um, but yeah, the Parasaurolophus has been in every Jurassic Park movie, but... Um, you see the Parasaurolophus a bunch near the end when inside Lockwood's Manor, but you actually see the Parasaurolophus in one of the trucks being loaded on to the Arcadia, the boat, to get taken off of Nublar. Um, and then, uh, oh, that Brachio scene. 
It's still so sad. Um, and again, if you've been following the post Jurassic interviews, you'll know that they based the whole sequence. They based the the visuals of you know the Brachiosaurus getting swallowed up by the by the uh, flames and the lava and stuff based on ET's heart. So interesting. Um, and again, I'll mention it again. I did a really great, a really fun interview with Tess Sharp, who wrote the evolution of Claire. And this is this is the contested area for me. Um, and I mentioned that interview because online, Jay Bayona and Colin have said that that the Brachiosaurus in that sequence is the same as the one that uh, Hammond showed um, Ellie and uh, Dr. Sattler and uh, Alan Grant and Malcolm in the original Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, it's a very J.K. Rowling kind of thing to sort of sort of add this extra layer post release um, but then in my interview with Tess Sharp, you know, I, there's a there's a baby brachio called uh, Pearl. And in my mind, before this fact came out, when I was reading Evolution of Claire, in my mind that that brachiosaurus was Pearl. Um, and so obviously they're going to I mean, obviously the the truth is, is that it was decided afterwards or or it is this kind of uh, official headcanon, if you will. I think that's a good name for it is official headcanon, because sometimes I feel like filmmakers are just reacting to the fans in a way that they're trying to add these layers to a film after the film's been out. And it just it just sort of rings false to me i i I, it it, again i think official headcanon is the right word because sure it's great a lot of times these editions but at the same time it just feels like if that's what you originally intended why wasn't in the film if it's something that could add meaning it could add a deep layer of um you know i was gonna say trauma or catharsis you would put it in the movie you wouldn't wait till after the movie's over and be like oh yeah by the way if somebody asked for it there there's a re- there's a reason why things are put in films and it just anyway it's it's more more food for thought to think about if anything so um and my big question is do you ever do we ever think we'll see the island again uh i don't know why i was thinking about it this time but i just had images in my head of like Maybe in Jurassic World 3, if it's going to be some sort of globetrotting adventure or something like that, you know, what if somebody does go back to the island and sees now the like post volcano erupted? I don't I don't know. I don't I there's no basis for it and there's no reason to. And this movie was very much about the island is gone and the park is gone and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what where I'm getting that from, but it's just it just was a thought on my mind. This rewatch. Um, and then also wanted to talk about how, so I feel like we're all pretty, I'm pretty convinced that in Jurassic world, when Hoskins calls somebody on the phone, he's like, Hey, I got an opportunity for you. And then they let out the Indominus Rex. I really, I, I, it feels right to say that Hoskins was talking to Mills because in Fallen Kingdom, the way that Mills phrases the attack, the, the, attack on or you know the situation in jurassic world was how the indominus rex took down jurassic world like this very much it just feels like it was almost like a strategy of like again miss ronnie and claire sort of uh you know approved the creation of this dinosaur and i think hoskins saw that and maybe reported it to uh mills or or woo was already wooed (laughs) woo was already wooed by mills 
And I think they saw that opportunity and ran with it. And I think that was the long game. And but yeah, I mean, let me know if you have any other theories about that, about how that that kind of conspiracy element plays into it. Uh, The blood, the blue blood transfusion scene is probably my favorite. Probably my favorite scene in all Fallen Kingdom, just just the 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 intercutting between baby blue and the baby raptor squad, Macy, uh, Owen and Claire and Zia and Franklin really just is feels like it hits a high watermark for Jurassic Park in terms of emotion and artfulness and just a good time. You know, (laughs) you have a dinosaur crying, which is pretty new for the Jurassic Park uh, franchise. And uh, oh, I want to, you know, and I've mentioned it before, but just wanted to say again that Jurassic Park three is technically the first Jurassic movie to have a flashback um, via camera footage. Uh, when they're looking at the um, Eric Kirby footage, when they're doing they're doing the dinosaur, uh, 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 you know, uh, parasailing adventure or whatever. But um, I thought using the 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 sort of diary cam uh, footage uh, was a smart move, you know, and brings the Raptor Squad back um, in its baby form, which I thought was very clever. And it's very realistic to how animal trainers uh, behave because. Uh, there's an episode of Ologies, I think it's about uh, chimpanzees, where they talk about that. And I've I've read a, I've read about it before, too, where it's like animal behaviorists will really like keep a record of how the animals are behaving and changing and stuff to really get a sense of who these animals are. So it makes sense that sort of in the pseudo futuristic science world of <laughs> futuristic science, keeping a video, keeping a vlog, uh, it just makes sense that Owen would be keeping these diaries and it feels very true to what somebody in that position would do. And uh, what I really, again, another example of just this sort of childlike wonder of, of loving dinosaurs. I mean, we get a movie where Claire rides Rexy. I just, that just feels very child. You know, I just want to ride a dinosaur. Like we get that in this movie. Like we get somebody, I mean, sure. It's not, um, you know, again, you know, uh, I've talked about (laughs) Um, you know, there's not a scene in Jurassic. There's going to be a scene in Jurassic World three where Macy, like Joan of Arc, is leading Blue into battle. You know, riding Blue into battle or whatever. Um, but we get an element of that, and I thought that was very cool. And then to me, the moment when Blue is saved and everyone's smiling uh, together, being like, "Oh my gosh, we saved this dinosaur's life, and this dinosaur's okay, and everything." That just feels so Jurassic Park to me because. That's what I want out of a Jurassic Park movie. I want people to be scared of dinosaurs, but I also want people to be happy about dinosaurs. I want that. I want dinosaurs to bring people joy because that's what the original Jurassic Park was. Yes, they were scared, but there were these moments, you know, we've all, we, we talk about them all the time in the community. It's we want those moments of awe and wonder and happiness. And I think that Fallen Kingdom really supplies those moments, those, those glee, those happy, those like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, again, when Claire is writing Rexy for a little bit, but everyone's smiling that they've all worked together to save blue. That is just, that is Jurassic park to me. Uh, and then I just thought it was very interesting that, that Wu had a vision of blue, like raising a baby into Raptor. Like, I'm just so curious what, what that could have been like, which just makes me think like, are they setting up blue because she like, again, I t- like 
the the ending of Fallen Kingdom has like that Congo element of you know uh, Doctor Elliot letting Amy out into the jungle and going home again, kind of how Blue is going off on her own. Again, I don't know how or why or what how this would happen or if it would happen, but I just there's almost this element of like, are they setting up Blue to become a parent in Jurassic World three? I mean, again, that was a big uh, tease with uh, Fallen Kingdom was that originally we were wondering if that that um if that baby blue is actually uh blue's you know a one of blue's spawn or whatever again supposedly blue's the only raptor left but who knows you know and i think there could be that element of i mean again it's just more maybe a more marketing and toy element but that you know life finding a way and and blue having kids you know i don't know who i don't even know if i want that but i just it just makes it feels like maybe they are setting it up or something like that and then it was an unholy thing you did. We'll get dark. But again, uh, in terms of the timeline of Macy and I, I, again, I just get the feeling that Macy, original Macy, did not live to see Jurassic Park, did not live to see past the the events of the original Jurassic Park. And so if she died, you know, over 25 years ago, that means that. Lockwood's been trying to clone Macy for many, many years. And so you get the, I, they call it the, the is there going to be the alien resurrection room where Macy discovers all the failed clones and there's one that's like still half alive and it's like, kill me! Like, super dark. I mean, I don't think we'll get that. But again, it just, it just makes, the, if you actually think about the implications of what Lockwood's been doing, um, you know, if you just let your imagination run wild, I think it, it gets really... It gets really dark and it just makes me think about what an embarrassment of riches Fallen Kingdom is. And I think for some people, I've noticed the criticism being like they don't spend time on anything. And I agree, you know, in, in the sense in that element that, you know, you know, there could be two movies here. There was, you know, one movie where uh, the whole movie is set on the island and then they get off at the end and like, holy shit, maybe that's a cliffhanger. Like you end with the Arcadia going to. I don't know what, and you realize that they've been betrayed. And then you, that's like, that's your like version where Jurassic world two and three are filmed at the same time, like the matrix or pirates of the Caribbean. And then the third one is the opening act is Lockwood Manor and the Indoraptor, but then it gets into something bigger. Um, but I think they really just wanted to hurry up, you know? So I think that for better or for ill, I I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad that they got off the Island when they did. I could, again, I could see a world where we, get more time for both of the stories in Fallen Kingdom that are being told. But I, I just I just like the second half. I just think it's a stronger, it's something new. It's something refreshing. And so and then again, I think that it's so interesting that Fallen Kingdom, the way that it pays off those elements from Jurassic World in a bigger way. I think there's a lot of elements of Jurassic World that kind of get played out and played off um, in a sense that I love that the Indominus Rex, the shadow of the Indominus really hangs over this whole movie and the consequences of that. Excuse me. And then, you know, kind of near the end of the movie, you get the sense that, oh, these characters have been damaged since the events of, of Jurassic World. And it really isn't it, it really in the narrative of this movie. They haven't had a time to reflect on those consequences and how things are actually moving forward. Because again, it's this, this sense that all these movies are islands, and so there's these little bubbles. But then, when they when the dinosaurs are taken off the island and they're trapped by Mills down in the in the basement, they're like, "Oh shit!" Like, 
we really did open a Pandora's box. And so I think to me, having that come later in the movie, after we've seen how things go, as opposed to, I don't know, opening in a courtroom and being like, Claire, you are under arrest for uh, doing your job or whatever. Um, I think this narratively feels more, it just feels more interesting to me. And, and really the idea that people don't necessarily process the things they've done until they've seen the consequences and they've seen that, you know, you're reacting instead of acting. And that to me is more, again, more realistic. Um, and uh, I wonder, will we see Stiggy again? I mean, Stiggy has such a fun little role and moment in, you know, in the sec, you know, in the later half of Fallen Kingdom. And we see Stiggy run out, obviously, Stiggy Mullick run out in Fallen Kingdom. But I wonder, are, because again, it's this thing of like, the end of the movie shows these dinosaurs going off some with secret government organizations and companies and some roaming in the wild. And are we going to, I, I really believe we're not going to catch up with each individual dinosaur in Jurassic world three. I think that Apatosaurus or that Parasaurolophus or that galley or those pteranodons in Vegas. Like, I think you are just going to see the proliferation of dinosaurs throughout the movie. And it's not, you know, because we're, it's going to be three years from the events of this film, we're not going to necessarily, I just feel like that would be too didactic or whatever. Not, that's not the right word, but just it would be too literal. And so I wonder if, because we're definitely going to follow up with blue and Rexy. So, but are we going to follow up with Stiggy? I, I don't know. Stiggy feels like it could just be a fun one-off for fallen kingdom, which I'd be fine with, but I don't, I mean, if they can work Stiggy back in an interesting way, that would be really cool. Um, so yeah. And, uh, and then this is another one of my favorite moments in the movie is the moment where the Indoraptor is starting to be bit on and everybody and uh, Wu and, and um, Eversol are like, uh, oh, shit, what do we do? And like we talked about in the episode 14 that I talked about with Luce Tomlin Brenner, the idea that there's this evil begets evil. And it's sort of these characters are putting these dinosaurs up for sale and then this moment of actual restraint from them. But then because, well, that's what the people want. And so I just thought that was such a great moment of villainy that feels true to Crichton where it's like, well, the people want it. So I guess I got to give it to them. And so I just thought that was great. And one of my favorite moments in Fallen Kingdom. And I wonder if this is Claire's first time seeing Wu since Jurassic World. Well, I mean, she definitely the last time she sees him is probably that day. Because when they go to the lab, they discover that's when the whole, you know, the finale of the film and Hoskins gets gets his. Um, but in the DPG, the sort of um, uh, expanded universe sort of stuff from the DPG website, they talk about how Wu was kind of disgraced and stripped of his license and stuff like that. So I wonder if this is the first time she's seen Wu. And that just makes me wonder, will Wu finally be the villain of JW3 or is there going to be a new force to deal with? Because. His role in this movie is even bigger, you know, is obviously than the original movie and then bigger than Jurassic World, where this time he actually gets in on some action with other characters as opposed to just sort of being a separate kind of thing on his own. And um, I love the look that Blue gives Zia before she goes out, before uh, Blue chomps into the Merc. And I really want a, a basement playset. I think it would be so cool. I was just watching it again. And I was just like... Oh, you could have a few of the cages. You could have the because it just reminds me of the visitor center playset that I had as a kid. You could have that great control panel where it's like a button that's like release the dinos and you press the button and then the gates would all open or something like that. That's like a really cool play feature. And then you could have something where it's like 
these gas cans and they spray out something or, you know, I just, you know, I, yeah, there, there could be something cool there. Um, uh, oh yeah. Anytime that dinosaurs shred through metal just gives me so much anxiety from Rexy to when the Indoraptor like, like breaks open the, the, the staircase and stuff like that. And then of course we get to probably my other, probably my second favorite moment of the film, third favorite moment, uh, definitely blue, um, blue crying in that whole sequence and then this sequence oh and then mills obviously nodding um and then the indoraptor on the rooftop just the lightning and the storm and it just and that's to me when I, michael Giacchino's music which i wasn't a fan of upon the first couple screenings or just it just didn't capture my imagination this is where it really soars and and that sort of gothic horror element and um as michelle otish who's been on the show before has mentioned that if you actually go back and listen to the original score um you know because people have recently just because of like the vinyl mondo vinyl and stuff like that that there is a lot of those kind of choral elements but it's kind of the it's kind of an underrated element of john williams original score and so this movie is kind of a callback to that by using a lot of choral um pieces and stuff and i think the interrupter on the rooftop it just feels you know, it just feels new and feels exciting and just feels that, that, you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't feel like Jurassic park, but it just, it's adding to that palette of what Jurassic park could be. And again, Gothic horror, there's freaking stained glass windows in Macy's room. Um, and then one criticism I had a little bit, I still have is that I wish more had been made of blues entrance into Macy's room, uh, because she sort of just shows up and sort of not saves the day, but, Again, I think Fallen Kingdom just juggles a lot. And so it's like you have to you have to have um, you have to have uh, Owen come in and save Mace or you have to have the Interruptor come in and surprise. Then Owen come in, then Blue come in, then Claire come in, then them figuring out a plan. So, I, I you know, I almost wonder if if there could have been a moment where Blue and Owen could have found each other. And then gone in and taken on the Indoraptor together. And I almost think that that would have made the, those moments stronger. Because I think the whole finale, once they get on the rooftop, is great. But I feel like it's just Blue shows up and just starts going. And it's it's not really... You'd think that would be a moment that you would be like, yeah, you know. But it's not. It's just not given enough oomph. Because they still to do these other oomph moments later. And so I think they were just really juggling with a lot there. Um Love Claire's hurry again. I think Bryce Dallas Howard really, I think she had a lot of hand in, in those kind of moments and really giving Claire a lot of, um, just a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot, just a lot more to deal with. Not just that she's not playing at one note, which I really liked. And then I had a question. Maybe you can all answer it for me. Cause I didn't notice, excuse me. Did, uh, Zia and Franklin ever see the Indoraptor because they're pretty much, I'm assuming that once Franklin is enlisted into helping out the Mercs and Lockwood's mansion, and then Zia's locked up in a cage next to Blue the whole time, did they ever see the Indoraptor on the loose? It just, I don't think they do. And then we get to the finale. We get to the climactic moment when Macy lets the dinosaurs loose. And that is my other top moment in the film. I think, I think the Blue being uh, saved, uh, Indoraptor on the rooftop and Macy letting the dinosaurs loose. I think those are my top three moments in Fallen Kingdom. And that moment is still powerful, amazing, really resonates. And 
just feels like the best solution to this movie. I think having Claire actually say no and not save the dinosaurs is actually growth for her character, realizing that her actions have consequences, as we've all talked about. And so, but also it's, I don't understand, like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to watch a Jurassic Park movie where all the dinosaurs die, where all the dinosaurs suffocate to death at the end. And so I really wonder... You know, again, obviously, maybe letting the dinosaurs out is not a great idea. Um, although, uh, oh, well, who knows? I can't. It's such a hypothetical question. But at the same time, I think in this moment, I think, again, you know, maybe it's just animal lovers speaking, but letting those dinosaurs live is really the only solution. But I also understand that if they Claire does it, it doesn't show growth for her character. And it's almost like she hasn't earned it per se uh, at this point. Um, but by having Macy do it again, because she's the clone, she's like them, all that stuff. I think thematically, it's just so beautifully tightly wound and it's such a beautiful bow that having it, having it, it's having your cake and eating it too, in some ways, but at the same time, it's just this beautiful moment that you really feel like you have no other choice, um, to do. And, uh, even if you had like let the doors open first or whatever before the dinosaurs, you know, let the, there's too much smoke. It's happening too fast. It's, it would have killed them anyway. So I also don't buy that either. I think that the poetry of all that really kind of leading up to this moment, I think is really well done. Um, and it's one of my favorite things about the movie. And as some people have pointed out recently, because again, the movie's been on digital for like three weeks that the, the Carnotaurus in this scene looks a little different than the Carnotaurus we saw on the Island. And so I find that very fascinating if, because we have seen species diversification. The pteranodons are slightly different. There's like a blue and a red pteranodon in Jurassic World. Um, not the same as the blue pteranodon in Lost World, though. And then obviously the male and female T-Rexes and all the different raptors. I mean, that's something I want to see more and more in these Jurassic movies, you know, and as CG gets better, you know, before you just clone stamp and just, you know, just make all the, all the same dinosaur and you've seen the... Um, CGI change over time as they get better about that. But, you know, this sort of uh, individual creature diversification, you want a dinosaur that maybe is a little heavier, one's a little skinnier, one's got more brown, one's got more green. I, I want that. And so that little spot uh, and people I, I retweeted the, the the tweet. I can't remember who originally tweeted it, but um, that stuff's super cool to me. And I want more of that in my Jurassic Park movies and let's see what else there's just a few other observations we've been going for about an hour um 
you know, these <laughs> mini sode, they're not mini, mini sode. Well, th- this isn't a mini sode, it's a raptor reactions. But anyway, uh, again, the Indominus, the Indominus Rex's sample gets destroyed by Rexy, which again is backed up in, in interviews post Fallen Kingdom by Colin Trevorrow saying that there's not going to be any more quote unquote hybrids, but all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are hybrids. So I, if he's meaning that there's not going to be an Indominus creature i i believe that element of what he's saying but also i feel like it's so he said that so early before they even started writing the jurassic world 3 script and again yes they've they had the they had a basic story in mind but i think that's a little bit of pr speak and i'm really curious to know how that's going to shake out once you know once we once jurassic world 3 is actually looming on the horizon in in a year or so um again i I think the ending of Fallen Kingdom is great. The poetic energy of it. Again, Malcolm says, he says threats we can't even imagine. So the idea that each individual dinosaur is going to go off and be the protagonist, you know, the antagonist of the next movie are going to be something or going to be something that we have to deal with in the next movie, I think is completely false. I think when we open in Jurassic World 3, it's going to be, you know, obviously, again, Blue and Rexy will take part in it. You know, again, I believe we Blue won't see Claire and... Owen and Macy until the next movie. I think it's going to be three years separated by time. I think to me that just, again, narratively makes the most sense and leaves room for a uh, animated TV show where Blue makes friends with kids in a small town and maybe a raccoon friend as well. And it's very E.T. and Stranger Things like, again, because at the very end, Blue actually ends up in the suburbs where E.T. took place that um, Bayona has mentioned that as being a very direct reference, literally filming in the Valley in Los Angeles. And that's where Blue ends up. Blue's in L.A., baby. She's going to make it in Hollywood. Uh, But I also liked that the different examples of dinosaurs on the run are, you know, obviously we see the ones being locked up by the government or locked up, going to be experimented on by the government or used by these shady organizations, the Allosaurus and and the Baryonyx, and then the Ankylosaurus was taken off earlier. But the actual dinosaurs in the wild are water, land, and air. You know, the Mosasaurus, Rexy, and the Pteranodons. And then if we're going Captain Planet style, that blue is heart, you know? Um, and, you know, again, she ends up in the suburbs in the valley. Uh, my only my only complaint about uh, Fallen Kingdom, the ending, in which this is very much my complaint about the original Jurassic World, is that it was a movie where it's Claire's movie, but for some reason, because not for some reason, because Chris Pratt is a bigger star, quote unquote, the the movie's edited to give him more, I think, screen weight than the character itself deserves. And I think to me, it's disappointing that at the end of Fallen Kingdom, when we get a shot of Claire, Owen and Macy on the road up and wherever, you know, along the coast, you know, Big Sur or whatever, that we get a shot of them, we get a shot of the Pteranodons and then there's kind of shots of other things, you know, the others, you know, all these other dinosaurs and stuff out in the wild. And then Malcolm, welcome to Jurassic world. And then the final shot of, of Owen and Claire and Macy isn't a shot of Claire looking or whatever. Like it's a shot of Owen looking knowingly with, with Macy in the background. And that just kind of annoys me because again, it's giving more weight to Chris Pratt as an actor, which to me is, you know, meta textually, it just doesn't feel correct to me. It feels like Claire should have the last shot. And so that is always, that's a little disappointing, but again, it's a small gripe for overall what I think is a beautiful, interesting, poetic sequence that feels so different 
if anything, it, 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 it's very new, but it also, it's kind of the dark, the kind of beautiful dark version of the lost world's montage. Um, the diorama sequence at the end where Hammond talks about life finding a way. This is sort of the, this is sort of a new take on that, but I think an expansion on it and does new things as well. I think having the framing device, quote unquote, framing device of Malcolm is so great. And um, yes, I would have loved more Malcolm, but I think that they're framing his character as more of kind of the way he is in the book, which is more of a mouthpiece for Crichton and stuff. So I think that was done really, was done really well. And then again, post credit sequence I think is is just silly and I think that I'm glad that they saved that for the end because it's just I think you would have laughed if it was during the 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 sort of more poetic uh, ending I think having the dinosaurs having the pteranodons being big and one then they'd already done the pteranodons sailing alongside um, Claire and Owen and Macy so I'm glad they put it in the end credits and again who knows maybe we'll get Margaritaville in Las Vegas in Jurassic World 3 so that's it from me. Thank you for listening. Let me know how you're enjoying the film. If you already got it on digital or are you buying it again at Target or uh, Best Buy or I think Walmart had ones had, you know, each of these now outlets because physical media is dying. They're kind of offering different exclusives. And again, I, I wanted to talk about the special features, but I haven't had time to watch all of them. And as I popped in that Target exclusive one and it had so many additional bonus features, it makes me want to go and do another episode just about that. So let me know if you want that. I think I might do it, but I'm still, you know, I'm going to watch them all and see if it warrants it. But um, let me know what you think. If you want me to go through the uh, through the uh, bonus features and stuff, I'd be happy to do that. Again, we're in this in-between seasons kind of thing. So, but I'm going to, we're going to start doing some more stuff soon. So hopefully this first Raptor Reactions is really a kickoff to lots of new stuff to tide us over until season two. Um, because there's still so much to talk about and wanted to shout out the Patreon again. Um, if you want to support the Patreon, that would mean a lot. Again, a dollar is great, but you know, $5, if you want those bonus Patreon mini sods, anything counts though. Any, well, anything counts, anything, anything helps. And again, if you can't do that, even a rating on iTunes or anything like that, I really want season two to be big, uh, big and bold. Um, and even better than the first season. So anything you can do to help means a lot. Again, even rating on iTunes or just sharing the podcast with your friends. It all means the world to me. So let me know what you oh, let me know, like if you enjoyed Fallen Kingdom this second go around, if you maybe you changed something about rewatching it changed your mind, anything new that you discovered, uh, because again, I'd love to go more in depth in Fallen Kingdom with its kind of references to the rest of the to the saga. So let me know what you think and i'm really excited to hear from you and i will hopefully see you very soon bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.